This is The Binary Podcast, a conversation about gender. We explore masculinity and femininity to discover what does it mean to be man or woman. And we are your companions in this journey of discovery, Matt and Alex. Hi, Alex. Hello. Episode eight, last episode of season one of The Binary Podcast. It's been an amazing experience. We spoke last week about parental leave and the impact that that has on dynamics in relationships. And what we'll talk about this week is domestic partnership. So specifically how chores are allocated between domestic partners, the impact that that can have on um, the emotional load that both partners wear, and then also how that can lead to financial dependence on the part of one of the partners and oftentimes that being the woman. So Al, I'd like to hear your reflection on how chores are allocated in relationships. <laughs> it's a great point to start on. So um, what I see is that there is often like disproportionately, I think it's quite agreed, women take on a lot of the household chores or they'll take a lot of the, inter- at least the internal uh, household chores. And then maybe more traditionally the men will take those outside jobs or like the emptying of the bins, the doing the the lawn, those sorts of things that that require a little bit of extra uh, manpower, I suppose. So that's how I traditionally have seen them. I think it's probably shifting quite a lot now um, and there's lots of discussion around it. You see lots of stuff in the news around domestic duties and, yeah, I see it's moving in a positive direction in terms of that household split. It's kind of like weekday jobs and weekend jobs and it's (laughs) like the, the weekday jobs, whether that's make dinner Um, pick the kids up, all of those kind of things, the everyday jobs falls to the the woman in the the partnership. And then the weekend jobs, which might be emptying, you know, emptying the gutters, (laughs) re-turfing the backyard, um, that they seem to fall to the man. I think it's also comes back to this idea about men being more physically strong. So if they do the the kind of quote-unquote handiwork, then it's the woman's job to do the other stuff in the relationship. Yeah, definitely. And I think I see a lot as well in the distinction between routine jobs versus non-routine jobs. So if something breaks in the household, it will go to the man. Mm. That's a non-routine task that doesn't have to be done every single day, um, like changing the light bulb. If it's a routine task, it's making dinner, uh, often that will fall to the woman. And it's something that happens every single day and is in, in her hands. So I think there it can get kind of tricky to see what the actual percentage of work, if you had a total calculated, the percentage of work being done and where that split exactly is. Mm. Why do you think we ended up here? I think that we ended up in this position probably largely when the concept of work and paid work came about and particularly fell disproportionately to men. Mm. If you're outside of the house, then the routine tasks become very difficult to do because you're not physically present. And then if you're around and you can help out with things that are less urgent or less pressing, like something like fixing the light bulb, then you can step in as a man to take that task or take that that burden. But, yeah, I see that probably has been the main instigator. What about you? Yeah, it's probably a norm that's stayed in place from a time when women weren't weren't allowed or weren't encouraged to participate in the workforce. And it seems like it's this kind of 
yucky, unequitable legacy thing that even though women are now participating probably close to equally in the workforce, that they still have a, uh, an unequal share of domestic duties to perform. Mm, absolutely. So tied closely into domestic duties is the idea of mental load. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your understanding of what that is? Yeah. So I came across this concept probably six to 12 months ago around the idea of what is called emotional labor Mm. um, versus like physical labor inside the house. Mm -hmm. And what it is really is the thinking that goes into tasks that have to be performed all of the time relating to domestic work around the house. So examples are thinking about what are we going to have for dinner when the toilet roll runs out that you have to replace the toilet roll and you have to go to Aldi to buy the toilet roll, hopefully Aldi anyway. (laughs) Um, Thinking about what the kids are going to be doing for their birthday party and organising that and and getting the groups of parents together so that the kid has a really amazing time at their seventh birthday party. Those sorts of things that involve a lot of emotional thought and um, what they call emotional labour. It's also considered the mental load of the household, I think, often falls to the woman. And uh, it often isn't something that can be seen or or felt if you're not having to do it yourself. You don't really experience that. So is it the idea then that there's this, this weight of just keeping across all of the things that keep the, the domestic partnership working that falls disproportionately to the woman? Yes, that's exactly right. So it's the extra thought and it's the extra mental capacity that goes into arranging or thinking about things and organizing things before that actual physical labor split happens. Mm. So it's not only then that we're expecting, firstly expecting women to be more present in the home, we're expecting them to do more of the routine tasks in the home. And then also as a result of that, expecting them to be the ones that are accountable for the home functioning effectively by being across all of the things that need to happen. Yes, exactly. And I think a lot of the examples that come up is like if you're needing to organise a plumber to come around to the house, often it will be one person in the partnership who does the ringing around, organises the plumber, tells the plumber to come, they have to be waiting outside and then you have to be there to be waiting outside. It's all of that organising that takes quite a lot of emotional energy or time that sometimes can fall towards the woman. Mm. And does that, do you think, tie in as well to this past where women were accountable for the home and men were accountable for earning the money? Yeah, I think so. And it might be the case as well that it hasn't been something that is really quite evident and it's an it's sort of a new discussion point that has been raised recently Mm. where now it's able to actually be addressed whereas before that kind of organizing and thinking could just be considered just it's it's just part of organizing a house or running a house Mm. and yes it is unpaid Uh, I think it does come back to that what is is valued and what isn't valued in the house. It seems like a, a pretty modern discussion because I think we're the the trend has been away from expecting women to perform one hundred percent of the household tasks. And it sounds like we're now increasingly recognizing that it's not only performing the task that places a burden on uh, one member of the domestic partnership, 
it's also keeping a track of all of the moving parts. So it's yeah. great to hear that this is the case. It's a bit like project management, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> need to be across all parts and where you're delegating work, you're not just being delegated to, you're actually overseeing the whole the yeah. whole household. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think it all well it, it it's it's kinda like project management, but it's almost not in the sense that there's um there seems to be in many households a, a an imbalance in decision making as well. So it's almost like this delegated responsibility that looking after the the kind of happy functioning of the home is less important than earning income for the home. And so that's then delegated to the female partner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that way of thinking probably is quite consistent with many relationships and domestic partnerships. Mm. The thing that I, I find quite interesting around this topic is that trying to actually identify what is mental load and how to pass it on to someone is really difficult without giving them the entire functioning of the household. Mm. So you almost have to just completely step out of that to have someone appreciate how much time and effort goes into thinking about things and thinking about how to run things. Mm. Uh, and without passing that over, you would have to be reversing the the breadwinner essentially in the family to give all of that responsibility to the man in the relationship. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just, even if you, if we sit here and think about it for one second, it makes no sense that, you know, we're now in an, in an age where women are not only welcome, but encouraged to participate and succeed in the workforce. And so in many relationships, they would be working as much or more and earning as much or more than their male partners yet we're still leaving them with this burden. To what extent do you think that the this unequal sharing of the uh, emotional burden is uh, just from not being consciously aware of it? And to what extent do we think that it's people actually still think that it's the woman's job to do that? Yeah, I don't think I have the answer to that. I mm. think that would differ completely on individual relationships and individual partnerships to think that that is something that women will just sort out. Maybe, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I think maybe, maybe we're still in this time where some men think, oh, women are just better at that. Um, yeah. And I think that's like, we've a been real, there for a while. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably, but you know, like maybe, maybe modern men want to share more equally in, in household chores, or maybe they don't, who knows? Um, <laughs> maybe we're beginning to recognize that there's a, a burden that is borne by the women in kind of maintaining the effective functioning of the household. I don't know, but I feel like maybe some people still genuinely believe that women are better at it. And so they kind of just stay out of the way or maybe women aren't allowing men to take over some of this stuff. Yeah, totally. I think there's something in that in the sense that it can be linked in a in a tenuous way to that caring nature of women or the the caring for a household even. Often it does come around the children or it comes around the whole functioning of the house. And if you care, I know that a lot of experiences I've had is that um, many men say, I just don't care if it's as messy as the house is or I just don't care as much as you do. I know that you like 
the toilet to be cleaned once a week, but I don't care if it's cleaned twice a week. <laughs> so that sort of um, dynamic can sometimes perpetuate that mental load of being carried by the woman because mm. they have this higher expectation or higher care factor for certain things. Yeah. I think also maybe some men just feel like they don't know, you know, they don't know when their kid's friend's birthday party is. So, you know, they, and they don't know when the last time that the electrician came around or whatever. So maybe there is a point where if, if the women in these relationships want to free themselves to some extent of that burden, they need to bring their husband in or bring their, their male partner in and enable them to start to get across some of this stuff. Yeah, totally. They can start writing them down as the first point of contact in my school form. <laughs> um, one, one response or answer to this inequality that I had heard that I thought was quite interesting was to not only carve pieces of a task off for the male partner, but actually to give them control of like a project. So um, if the project is the child's school project, not just having them accountable for going and picking up the materials, but also like saying you're the one that's accountable for helping our son to have this project completed effectively, that then being something that the man can take accountability for and see from start to finish and actually get some fulfilment out of. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is so much fulfilment that I see on the other end and it's like anything if it's, it's challenging during the process, but you're going to really, really get a lot out of that and a lot of connection as well with, with your children or with your, your partner, no matter what the, the split is or the task is. Mm. quite like that project idea. I've also heard, and this is not my personal view, but I have heard a, a point made in this discussion that women actually really like doing these things and they may complain about it or they might feel it's a, a burden. But if you take that away from a female in a relationship, perhaps they might find that they are at a loss of power or that they feel like the man has lots more power financially and that mm. this is where they're powerful in the relationship and they have control over something which means a lot to them and is significant for the family and for the functioning of the family. And if you take that away and you gift that to your male partner, you're then you're at a like point where you might be actually unequal in terms mm. of a power dynamic. And I think that's an interesting lens to put into this is, is if it's not being willingly, willingly given up at the moment, is there something in there that we're not allowing men to come in to take because we want to keep the power over that? Yeah, I get that, that there might be a concern about perpetuating a power imbalance. One thing that um, I think does perpetuate a power imbalance is what we so often see, which is a, a forced financial dependence on the part of the female partner and it's a legacy of women being expected to step out of the workforce or to not participate at all because of these caring and domestic duties that that is assumed that they will take accountability for and how that then looks is that over their lifetime they may earn less than their male partner or indeed may be entirely reliant for the income of the household and in the event that the relationship breaks down or the the breadwinning partner dies, that it can leave 
the women in those relationships extraordinarily vulnerable. So I'd be interested in your reflections on on that as a as a phenomenon. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And particularly looking back 50 to 60 years, that was almost certainly the case in the majority of, of domestic partnerships is the financial dependence just followed very quickly um, from the taking on of more domestic duties. Now, I think the financial dependence is quite an interesting topic because with things like pooling income sources in domestic partnerships, as well as the shorter time that women are taking out of the workforce and the um, not quite yet, but the increasing number of men who are also caring for children or taking part of that responsibility. I think the domestic and the financial dependence gets carried along with whatever split you have in terms of domestic duties versus not domestic duties. So at the moment, I still see that there are huge barriers for women in terms of being financially independent if they're taking on too much of the domestic duty load mm. uh, and the and the mental load as well because I see that that takes them away from having some kind of like monetary source attached to the work that they're doing in the household. Totally. And what about you? Yeah, it's not just a now thing either, is it? It's not like if there's two two members in a in a partnership and one spends 10 years in the workforce and advances and their salary grows and the other steps out on on three occasions to have children it's not just the impact of their earning capacity at that point 10 years from when their relationship began it's in some instances the woman might have had have periods of unemployment where they're in the, the household where they're not accruing superannuation so it's something that it's like a ticking time bomb decades in the future as well. And I think that's something that we ought to be really aware of and consider how we can ensure that we're not leaving, well, particularly women with insufficient super balances in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you think to the situations you've seen where a partnership breaks down and there is some sort of dispute or um, splitting of the domestic assets, Mm. What I often see as the discussion around that is that oh, women are going to come in and they're going to want half and it's undeserved. <laughs> they want half and uh, you shouldn't be asking for half when you haven't earned that money. The financial income is almost certainly attached to the male partner in terms of it's it's been won by him and it's his to share mm. and having that as the rhetoric around family relationships and family partnerships is really challenging because you feel like there's no kind of way to get what might be deserved, but it's not, it it has to funnel through the mail before it gets given to you. So there is a lot of dependence in that. Yeah. There's so much um, financial literacy that comes through being, well, I guess the being accountable for financial decision-making. And so often that connects to the, the primary breadwinning partner. And so, yeah, there's, there can be this unfortunate occurrence where the relationship breaks down and uh, a woman might find herself with custody of children and trying to run a household on her own and have never been accountable for making those kinds of financial decisions Mm -hmm. um, and that that can lead to really bad outcomes as well. Yeah, definitely. I think there is a big skills gap just by default of not having made any decisions in terms of what you do with that money Mm. and that can really be a barrier for women to be on their own if they choose to be. Yeah. 
do you have any thoughts about how we can effectively impact these disparities in in domestic partnerships? I think that there is definitely room for positive interruption of the current system through either an employer perspective or a, or a government-style scheme. Mm. Uh, what I think could be perhaps explored is maybe you pay a family an income, you don't pay an individual an income, you pay it directly to the family that is employed uh, at that firm. Mm. Or if there is a government-style subsidy that's introduced, if you're stepping out of the workforce, whatever your partner earns, your the breadwinning part earns, maybe that's somehow matched or, or looked at from a government perspective. Mm. I think the ownership or the decision-making side, that perhaps comes from like a, a positive movement of women deciding that they can engage in financial decision-making and they can start to run certain things. And then at the same time, when they start engaging in that space, they also have to give up the domestic duties that they're holding close to them at the moment as well. What about you? I agree with all of what you said. I think, yeah, I think the employer policies are so important in shifting this. And I know that we spoke at length last week about um, parental leave. And I see that that's one way that we can have a a really positive impact on greater equality in in domestic partnerships. Um, I think the biggest thing is encouraging and supporting conversations about this kind of stuff, which I know is very much your and my reason for doing the binary podcast having male and female partners feel comfortable to talk about these kinds of issues and talk about mental load or talk about their their financial decisions jointly so that there can be greater equality in these relationships and yeah have have everyone feeling really great and feeling like real partnership in their relationships yeah definitely that sounds like a lovely world (laughs) (laughs) which is my utopian vision of of how things could be or how things ought to be (laughs) I like it. Another really interesting conversation, our last for this season. Is there anything you wanted to say to the listeners? I'd like to say um, thanks so much, everyone, for listening to the first eight episodes of the Binary Podcast. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure and I know I've personally really learnt a lot about uh, what it's like from a male experience and male perspective. And I'm really looking forward to continuing these conversations. What about you? Fantastic. Yeah, it's been a, an amazingly fulfilling experience for me having these conversations. And, yeah, so appreciate the fantastic feedback that we get and it really makes this, this passion project so worthwhile. So thank you, everyone, and we really look forward to whatever comes next. Sounds good. Sounds good.